You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning. My name is Matt Brumfield, and I'm the online community pastor here at NCC, and um, I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Um, let me just confess, I'm a little bit tired. Uh, Summer Blast was last week, and I had the privilege of hosting it. Um, and so I'm just trying to rework my mindset from hosting an island um, party all week, learning about the one true God with preschoolers through fifth graders, to getting to share the stage with you this morning. Um, but yeah, it was just incredible. Um, thank you for all of you who are a part of that, who are praying, um, and just like, wow, that those kids and their families brought in $4,000 towards the Vincent house. And God is so good, and God did awesome things last week, so thank you for those of you who are a part of that, who are praying. Um, over these past four weeks, we've been on this journey through the book of 1 John, and you may have wondered, why did you pick 1 John to go through all summer? And I think there's just so much truth here, and I've just been so grateful for how Pastor Brandon has been unpacking the, the depths of this book as we continue to dive into the riches of God's word um, we're going to be in 1 John 2, verses 28 through chapter 3, verse 10. Um, and so if you would, I'm going to read it. It'll be up on the screen. There's a Bible in front of you. It should show up if you're watching with us online. Um, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just praise you for this opportunity we have to, to gather here, to watch online, to be the, the church gathered wherever we are, to unpack your word. And so Jesus, I pray this morning we would make much of you, Holy Spirit, that you would just soften our hearts, that you would open our ears and our eyes and our minds to see what you want to speak to us, what you want to remind us, what you want to do in us. Lord, would you have your way this morning? We pray this all in your holy and mighty name, Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. So there's a lot to examine in this passage. There's a lot of encouragement here as we're reading this, but there's also a few hard truths that we need to hold up against our lives and Right, the text here, we're going to see there's a few key pieces to it. It has this language about identity. It has this language about time. And it has this language about action. As we examine this, it's important to let the scripture inform us, to shape us. See, God is a God of order, and we see order in this language. As John is writing here, it lets us know, right, because you are this, we're going to unpack this here, because you are this, your identity right now in the present, so you do this right now and in the future. And because you are this, your ongoing identity, this will be true of you now and in the future. And as we unpack this, right, this is a little countercultural to what us as Americans understand. Usually it's when you do this, then you get this title. And as long as you keep doing this well enough, you keep it or else you become something else. So let's dive in here to see, right, what John, what God wants us to understand. And so the first thing we're going to unpack is this. Our identity in Jesus shapes our being. Chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, right? Abide in him. This is the key, right? Jesus is the center in here. I'm not a Greek scholar, but this word abide, this Greek may know. It's this word, it's a verb, so it implies action, right? Abide is to stay, to remain, to wait. It's this patient presence, a time with, a focus on, a hope in who? Jesus. Abide in him, right? This identity in Jesus shapes our being, abiding in him. Verse 29 if you know that he is righteous, who is righteous in this, right? Only God is righteous. Our identity is not in our righteousness because only God is righteous. It says, if you know that he is righteous, right? This is the truth. We see this in Romans chapter three, echoing in the Psalms. There is no one righteous. No, not even one. This confession of faith through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, only God is righteous. Anything good in us is not because we have done it, but because of Jesus, right? The end of verse 29 says, has been born of him. Church, our existence is not self-made, nor is our growth. And I understand it can be easy for us to forget that it was the blood of Jesus that saved us, and it's the blood of Jesus that sustains us. 
We see this as Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, 1 Corinthians 3. Church, all that we are is because of who God is, the identity he has given us. What's that identity? Chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. This is this present language that if you've confessed Jesus as Lord, not because of something you have done right, but because you have confessed him, says the Father has called you his child. This is present language. And now, little children, so we are. Being a child of God isn't something that will be. When you confess Jesus as Lord, you are fully entered into the family of God. And see, all that we do should flow from this identity. But it's not our perfect performance but the presence of Jesus that informs who we are. And sometimes, though, children forget, I have three kids. I know they forget. They forget who they are. They forget whose they are. And sometimes we forget. And so if we pause right here, church, and if we look back, we can probably all be honest and say this year has been really hard. The toll on us is unfathomable in so many ways. We're tired. And this last year, when all was stripped away, it revealed so much about us, about me. There are parts of my life, my being, that weren't easy to hide anymore. Anger, frustration. It revealed wounds that I hadn't let God heal. And as we've watched the church, I personally, I've watched brothers and sisters in Christ tear each other apart. Our state of being has not matched our identity as children of God. What flowed from so many of us was not what God's word says flows from those who are abiding in him, who are walking by the Spirit, And see, this is what John is getting at here. This question, does an outward world looking in and us as the church, when they look at us, do they see the kind of love that the Father has lavished upon us? That while we were yet sinners, completely dead and utterly unable to save ourselves, Emmanuel, God with us, took on flesh Jesus had the wrath of God poured out upon himself to make a way to reconcile mankind back to him. Does a world looking at us, church, do they see that kind of love displayed in us as dearly beloved children? What if the biggest hindrance to the gospel is not a culture in line with sin and brokenness, but the beloved children of God who have forgotten the fullness of whose they are and what they should be practicing. Because as we ask this question, your brothers and sisters, it's not meant to guilt us, but to ask us in love, what is evident in your life? 
How do you picture yourself? If our identity forms our being, maybe we've misplaced our identity, which is shaking our being. Because our identity in Jesus shapes our being is next seen in this truth as John unpacks. What we are is not yet complete. Chapter 3, verse 2 says this. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. This is really important, right? This truth that what we are is not yet complete, that we are works in progress. I said I have a few kids. I have three. They're all about two years apart. And I've learned that not only are each wired differently, they're also in different developmental stages. But do you know what happens when I treat each and every one of my kids as though they're in the same space? It's not good. It's not good for them. It's not good for me. And God's been teaching me as a father to respond to them where they are, knowing that they are not yet complete. What they are now is not what they will be, but each and every one of them, no matter what, is my child, my little brummy crew. And when you're Jesus, you are his child, period, despite all the mess, despite the baggage, whether you have shallow theological understanding or deep theological knowledge, whether you read your Bible every day or read it once a month, the the absence or presence of those things don't make you more or less a child of God. You are fully a child of God, and that identity informs your being. See, right? we talked about this, Pastor Brandon, a few weeks ago, justification. When you confess Jesus as Lord, you are seen rightly before God, but... We live in this now but not yet, this process of sanctification. This is this ongoing work of God making us new. And one day, one day we will be like him, right? Glorification. The one day when Jesus returns. But we need to pause because as we read this, it means you and I and everybody else, we aren't there yet. God is still doing a work in us. God is still doing a work in the person sitting next to you. And this is important. Because you, if you confess Jesus, you are fully a child of God and you fully have Jesus, but you are not yet fully perfect. And there's this delicate balance because we should be striving for holiness, right? Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord, but we're not complete. We don't get it right all the time. The person sitting next to you doesn't get it right all the time. Our identity informs our actions. Our actions don't reshape our identity. See, John mentions this word practicing. Again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's this poeo, which means to make, to do. It's stated six times here in this passage. And then this phrase, keep on, is said three times. This is this action, this ongoing. If you're practicing something, you are making something, doing something, you start from the beginning and you do it over and over and over. 
And see, there's two contrasting things mentioned here that John says are practice. This intentional act of doing and being. And it speaks to our identity. It flows from our identity. What we practice is formed by who we are. So let's unpack the first, right? Those who practice righteousness. Again, there's this Greek word, dekaisin, and it means God's judicial approval. What is deemed right by the Lord, what is approved in his eyes. Hear me, this isn't just not doing what is wrong, but is doing what is right in God's eyes. This echoes back to 229 where it says, right, only God is righteous. Because of his love, because we are his, we strive to live in his intended ways. We practice the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of man. And this is important to differentiate. We don't have time to dive in, but I'd encourage you at home, look at John 15, right? Jesus talks about abiding in me because apart from him, anything you do is not good. Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. And he says, there will be those who thought they did these good things, but they didn't have the presence of Jesus. They didn't abide. And as John is writing this, right, just like, again, good news, because I think we can hear practice righteousness, and you say, well, you say no one is righteous, so how can I do this, right? This is not this call to, that we have to be perfect right now, because we can't. There are going to be those moments where we slip up, where we fall into sin, where we go against God's ways. But echoing back, listen to the sermons earlier on, 1 John 1, 8 through 10, it talks about this. If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us. We're living in this now, not yet. And so we're called to confession And I know we can hear that and we can think lots of things, right? Confession is not this tool that says we do whatever we please and as long as we confess it to God, we're all good. No, but it's this recognition that we're in process and so when we do sin, if we confess it, we rend our hearts, we weep and we mourn and we cry out and turn ourselves back to Jesus. We take inventory of our lives every day. And say, am I walking in the way of Jesus? Am I following him? Am I walking in the spirit? Or am I practicing the way of sin? Am I going back to the way of darkness? The way that Jesus saved me from? Am I going back to those rebellious ways like the one who first rebelled, the devil? You see, John speaks to this and he says, those who practice sinning are of the devil. So let's unpack that. See, church, sin isn't this little trivial thing. It's a big deal. But see, with that, it isn't just the big things that make God upset, right? Sin is sin. And I think we need to remember this because I think sometimes we think there's this list and as long as I don't do these, these other things aren't as big of a deal and so it doesn't matter if they're a part of my life. But see, this call here that John, as he's writing, it's this call to examine our identity. Remember whose you are and examine our hearts to pause and take inventory. If we think that we are somehow self-made, if we think we are much, remember who has made us into anything that we are. 
and to function as he's called us to function. See, verse 8 reminds us, it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And so the big question here as we read this is, who are the children of the devil? But the beautiful thing about Scripture is it gives us the answer. It says, verse 10, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And honestly, when I read this, it causes me to stop. Because I look and examine my life, I look at this past year, and I ask myself, how did I do? How did we do? When we hold scripture up to our lives as God's truth by which we examine all things, how did we do? For some of us, maybe we can cross a few things off that list. But if this past year we habitually were in the habit of shredding and hating brothers and sisters in Christ, according to God's word, which is holy and true, we have not been living as children of God, but as children of the devil. When we look at those around us and say, oh, I hate them, I can't stand them, oh, they're awful, they're the worst, we pick up God's word, our sword, slicing out verse after verse. But church, if you pick up the sword to make someone else bleed, you forget that Jesus shed his blood for you. Jesus died on the cross on your place. And that person we so eagerly want to cut down, Jesus shed his blood to redeem them too. And you and I don't know the timeline of redemption that God may be doing in someone's life. But we will give an account for any stumbling block we place in front of someone of gospel witness. Now hear me, this doesn't mean there's not correction and rebuke. But we believe that because we have a platform and truth, that we're in the clear to say whatever we want, however we want, to whomever we want, whenever we want. You know, my boys played soccer in this community league. They're four or three and five, and you can imagine what it was like for a bunch of three and four-year-olds on this soccer field. But to see them, they were so excited. They had never done this before, but they were soccer players. They were out there with the nets and the soccer balls on the field, and they were trying, but it takes practice, right? And it'd be so easy, it was easy for me to fall into, well, that's not how you play soccer. Yes, there were so many things that they were doing that were wrong, but I was putting this unreal expectation that until they did everything right, they couldn't be called soccer players. Now hear me, if they always stayed the same, that's not okay. But that's not what they want or anyone wants. But they started. They went from never playing soccer, having no real understanding, to going on a field with nets and soccer balls and making those first moves with joy on their faces. My beloved sons took those first steps of playing soccer and I as their dad. 
I didn't need to reprimand everything they were doing wrong, but gently say, I'm so proud of you, son. You got this. Keep trying. Let me help you. Can I show you? Listen to your coaches. You got this. Keep going. I love you. Church, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, can I caution you? You know, I've been in this role of online community pastor for probably about nine months now. And here's the danger that I see in us and in myself, and it breaks my heart. Can you imagine if I posted a video of my boys playing soccer and suddenly the comments start flooding in? He's kicking it wrong. He used his hand. That's the wrong technique to run. Stay away from those fields. They let fake soccer players on them. Watch this 15-minute video of everything they're doing wrong and why they'll never be soccer players. And while all those things may be true, I know that my boys have never played before. They're just starting to figure this out. And do you know the difference between me and those random commoners? Is that I have a relationship. And in that relationship, right, there's love. And when we lack that relationship and when we lack that love, even well-meaning words can you imagine an outsider looking in who's been wondering about these things and what they see is ripping and shredding? And what could have been an opportunity to fill them in awe and wonder, right, with a holy God who makes dead people alive in him for his glory. Instead, suddenly there's this seed of doubt that is sown in the devil as they read that, the devil feeds into it and says, see, you don't want Jesus. You're like those fake soccer players. There's nothing. You're not good. You can't. Don't try and show up at that church building. Don't try and ask questions. Come back to the world. See, I know my boy's story. I know it's the first time they've soccer, but that random stranger who thinks because they have a platform they need to say something, even well-meaning, could crush the ongoing work that is happening, could end up sowing doubts in another that the devil uses to crush gospel witness. So can I caution us and say, we are in a day when we need to desperately seek the Lord and fast about what does it mean for us as believers to be the church online, to be the church today? Because we recognize, right, we are so eager to get back here because relationships happen where you can see, you can know, you can hear. And so if we want that and need that, we can't, on the other hand, think that we can comment and say whatever we want outside of relationship online. And we have to pray and seek and say, God, how would you have us be? So maybe God isn't always asking you to say something to someone, but to intercede on behalf of someone to the only one who can do anything in any of us. Church prayer can change hearts in ways a comment never will. 
Good actions and right thinking absent of love are not right before God's eyes. Right? Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians. It's this list of all these things. Speak in the tongues of men. Have prophetic powers. Understand the depths and mysteries of God. Riches of theological understanding. Unfathomable faith. Be the most generous person. Be willing to be martyred. But if we have not love, we are nothing. We gain nothing. All of this comes from this overwhelming, unfathomable love of God. So why would we think it would not be central to our lives? Why would we think that love doesn't need to drive all that we do? In church, we need right thinking and we need right acting hand in hand and bound together by God's love. But if we're honest, it's easier for us to go to a place where our strong points are supported and our weaknesses are never mentioned than to sit at the table of Jesus. Especially here in America, to find a church where I'm challenged in a way I enjoy being challenged. Working out the muscles that I enjoy flexing rather than sitting at the messy table of grace. Admitting that not all parts of me and not all parts of you are fully perfected yet. And that's okay that we're okay with the journey and the messiness and the energy that it takes to let God do the work in us and in others in his timing and not in our own. Leaning into others who desperately are clinging to his grace. Beckoning any who will listen to say, come and see. Not because I have it figured out, but because I know the one who is figuring it out in me. This church, as John is writing here to us, reminding us who we are and what should flow from us. Right? This is that gospel that God has given us his love and that should inform every single thing that we do. Because the gospel isn't about making perfect spaces for perfect people. It's about Jesus making perfect people no matter the space or the situation. When we look throughout scripture, we see that God is doing his work everywhere. Not just the places we think this is where all the good is going to come from. Saul, Paul, before he became Saul, was literally persecuting, dragging the church out, and then Jesus steps in, redeems him. Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, and because they were thrown into jail, the Philippians jailer in Acts 16 entered into the family of God. Rahab was a prostitute, and by faith she entered into the lineage of Jesus. And it's not just about, right, earthly power. We see this, right? The story of Gideon. God doesn't raise up a bigger army for Gideon. He tore down every means that makes sense in you and I's finite understanding. He removed their strength in numbers and strategy and weapon so that God's glory and his glory alone could be displayed. And Jesus... He sat a religious zealot who wanted to overthrow the tyrannical Roman Empire right next to a tax collector who is in the empire's pocket. And when we look at Jesus, 
Emmanuel. He wasn't born to a ruler, not to power, not to a government official, but to a carpenter and a soon-to-be wife. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus entered in, right? The God of all creation lowered himself, bearing with those who struggled to fully understand God. Their theology wasn't perfect, but God was perfectly patient. Bearing with those who struggled to love as God loved, Their love wasn't perfect, but Jesus is perfectly loving. Bearing with those who grumbled and complained about who would sit next to him, who was the best of them, who was even truly one of them. Their humility wasn't perfect, but Jesus is perfectly humble, humbling himself even to the point of death on a cross. And so the final question, church, we need to ask ourselves is what are we abiding in? What are we practicing Church, we need to be full of grace and truth. We can't only ever be one or only ever the other, though it's the easier way. But the way of Jesus isn't the easy way. And his sovereignty isn't in your timetable or mine. And if we say we abide with Jesus, but the fruits of his children never come out of us, we need to examine our hearts And so because if you have confessed Jesus as Lord, his word says you are his child, and if you are his child, does that identity shape your everyday being? What is evident in your life? And so close, I want us to look at a passage that will shed light on this. Galatians 5 gives us this answer. So what should be evident in my life if I'm a child of God? It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we read these, we need to search and say, is this habitually in my life? If so, I need to let Jesus do work in me. But if I am walking with him, what should be evident? Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Church, the question for us is, will you abide with Jesus? When we spend a time with our Heavenly Father, the way of the world fades away. That we are not filled with hatred, with sin, with wickedness, but that we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit, not because we have it together but we come with surrender and we say, Jesus, have your way. There is a world that is watching us and only by abiding in Jesus will we have the witness 
to say his way is the better way. That he loves you. That he has come to redeem you. Will you, will you rest in him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we just look at your word, your truth, God, we praise you. God, because you have given us your love, that you have called us your children, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what you have done on the cross on our behalf. And so, Lord, may this morning, if we have forgotten that our identity should shape the way we are in our everyday life, Jesus, would we run to your embrace? Would we recognize that when we confess that you are loving, that you stand with arms open and you say, come back to me. I love you. Keep at it. You've got this. And Father, I do confess, Lord, for myself, if there are ways and things that I said, God, and things that I've done, that someone looked at me and didn't see you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I just confess that sin to you now. And Jesus, I believe that you are greater, that you can overcome. God, would you give us eyes to see a world around us that desperately needs you to remember that we aren't self-made, but that you are making us new. And that it's not through anything we have done, but Christ, it is through you and through you alone. And so would you be glorified? Would you be lifted high? We pray this all in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces, making much of Jesus every day to everyone.